0: I believe I said with friends like you who needs enemies, uh, I, I experienced the niacin flush, which you told me <laughs> right when we ended recording last week. And I I did it, and it, uh, it definitely gave me the flush part, that's for sure. I took the 500 milligrams, and it was crazy. My skin turned red, and my uh, son and daughter were looking at me like I was in a Willy Wonka movie. And I even looked into it more, and it's like – it's extra extreme if you take zinc and like I take zinc every other day and it happened to be the day I took that. So anyway, it was, it lasted a while, a couple of hours. <laughs> it, was it was very intense. So, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that list. Yeah, As I d- per usual, I shouldn't be following your advice, but
1: I did. <laughs> I told you if you start tripping, you know, don't blame me. i warned you in advance.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. So hopefully that, there were some benefits to that. And I, I think you, you get eventually immune to that if I, if I continually took it. But the first time, wow, that was uh, intense. <laughs> Did
1: you do it again since? I have not since. No. Don't I, be a nutless I, monkey. Not. You should be doing that every day. Come on. It's no big deal. Actually, I heard that you should take it. And we're talking about niacin, 500 milligrams. It's a pretty big dose. And, and vitamin B3. It's vitamin B3, but it gives you an intense flush. And check with your you know, health provider to make sure that uh, that you can take it and survive but you and I both or did it
0: blindly, or blindly listen to this like, <laughs> like,
1: but apparently there's some protocol where you go to a sauna and you take it and you sweat like crazy because you're already flushed and then you're in a sauna <laughs> and you're supposed to like wipe off the sweat with like a paper towel or something periodically or like a, an old towel and it supposedly detoxes the hell out of you but I don't know I can't vouch for it I just heard it somewhere yeah, that's intense. I did do it. I did try it, by the way, but I don't know. You know, it's hard to know if it works
0: with with the sauna.
1: You did, yeah. I did in the sauna. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: oh nice. Yeah. Uh, real real man. So
0: what else is going on this week? Yeah, it is definitely some real man stuff. Um, what else is going on?
1: So I went down south for a couple of days and weren't supposed to, but you know, I just feel like if it's just with my family, it's like I don't I don't believe in this police state bullshit. I do believe we should take precautions and. It's a virus and people are dying, so I'm not having the 20-person uh, orgy that I might un- under normal circumstances, but you know, if they're like, oh, you can't drive from here to there, I don't believe in the state really having authority over you and your ability to move around. They're doing that as a general sort of thing, thinking, well, if everybody doesn't do all these things, then we'll stop some of the get-togethers and partying that might go on. So anyway, we went down south. I don't think we're supposed to, but we did. Nobody stopped us. And we stayed in this tiny little Airbnb and we're looking for this house. It's like this rundown. It was a piece of property that we we're looking at. And it's like this rundown property, but it had a lot of land. And it's like maybe 10 minutes from the beach, but it's kind of far. It's like two and a half hours south. And the realtor showing us, like they, they show us and there's this guy living there. He's this old guy. And the place is like, it's perfect size. It's like probably like 16, 1700 square feet you can build. And the land is like 16 acres. And it's to the beach. and But it's like totally run down. And the dude is probably like, I want to say like 65, and he's chain smoking while he's watching us there, the owner. And he lives by himself, and the house is in you know very ill repair, but it's functional. And he had all these geese that he I, apparently he kills them and eats them, and he had all these eggs, ducks and eggs and chickens and eggs. And he had all these eggs that he had. And here I come in with my wife driving the car, the stick shift, since I don't really, you know, I've I've practiced a bit, but she mostly drives. So he sees us come up with my wife driving the car, and Portugal's kind of a chauvinistic place where the dude would be driving, you know, like if, if the wife is driving, the dude is soft, right? So I'm in the passenger seat, and he's got one of the, he's got a couple of dogs, one is walking around, the other, they're both large, and one of them is chained to something, so he's on a chain, this dog, and he's like growling, and he's, you know, he's restricted by the chain. And I come out with my little bread dog in the passenger seat of my car, <laughs> you know, and like, obviously this is a dude who's been in this place for a long time. Maybe his wife died. I don't know. You know, it's living by himself, living off the land, like literally looks like he's living off the land.
0: I not to make funny, but my wife drives 98% of the time oh. and I could have my French Bulldog puppy on my lap uh, as well. So,
1: <laughs> so, so I, we, I, we, I can't go there. And we co-host a real man would, ironically. Yeah. So it's just embarrassing. And you know, this is a real man. This is a dude who lives off the land. This area, it, it's in the Algarve, sort of Algarve slash Alenteju, like in between, and Costa Vicentina. It's like kind of a, there's some nice little towns there and stuff and it's getting kind of gentrified and you know, obviously the beach is always nice. But this is a little off the beaten path. And, you know, he's older and he's probably just trying to cash out with this farm that he had for a long time. And he's chain smoking. He sees this soft dude, you know, come in. He He's like, oh, yeah, these are, the, these are the nutless monkeys that come to buy the place, you know, after it gentrifies. Right. Anyway, I thought it was, it was pretty embarrassing. In retrospect, I was like, that's pretty embarrassing. I was like, hey, I, you know, I was like, uh, bon dia, or Botard And he kind of nods. He was kind of like friendly in a way. He was kind of curmudgeonly, but yet, you know, he's polite. But I could tell he's like, "What a nutless monkey that dude is!"
0: <laughs> yeah, like you're you're self aware though of this yeah. situation. Oh. So did you make an offer or what?
1: No, no, no. I don't know it's too much land, and it's it's too far. Like we had this we had this other one that we bought, but we still haven't closed on it. It's just indefinitely in limbo, and it, it could drive you crazy. Like you put down a deposit like six seven months ago, and it was supposed to close in like two months and we could get out of it, but we're like sunk cost of time. It's just they're waiting for one document, and I think the Portuguese have just resigned. I think a lot of these countries that are, they're sort of, they're not, it's not a totally socialist country, but it's, it's, you know, quasi-socialist. Things just, you know, there's downsides, there's certainly downsides to crony capitalism in the U.S. and the way things can be, you know, printing money for the rich and all this stuff. We really have kind of socialism for the rich in the U.S., but... But here where there's just this kind of socialism and there's all these giant bureaucratic structures and governments, and nothing gets done. It gets done at a glacial pace because people don't care about money that much. And in some ways it's nice, it's mellow. But when you're like just trying to like buy a rundown property and fix up something and make something of it and forget about like getting workers and all that, that's a whole other hill to you know, hurdle to cross. But just get the goddamn thing closed and this one Place took forever for the document. Apparently, they have the document, but now they got to find the solicitor who signs off on the document and then they can put it and like schedule the closing. And the thing is, these people are just like, oh, yeah, what can you do? It's tied up, it's the way it goes.
0: It's like so you're a, just shopping around in the meantime, is what you're doing.
1: Yeah, we're like, screw it, you know. Yeah, if we found something else. You know, we'd get the deposit back and just get out of this stuff. I just can't wait around forever. You know, we've been here four and a half years. Okay. And well, nice to know
0: that America is not the only slow-moving country. No, what
1: do you mean? I, America's is way. F- you know, you, you, you've never seen red tape in your life. California is bad.
0: L.A. County being so bad. We oh. lean here like crazy. But interesting that it's no. not. not Cal-
1: California is bad, and L.A. is probably bad, and all these extra hurdles. But Portugal, you have no idea. And I heard France and Italy are the same. But Portugal's truly, it's known for its just crushing bureaucracy. It's insane. I mean, everything's cheap here. And you could, actually, what you really should do, if you can afford to do, is buy two or three places and get them all done at once. Because it's like you can build something for half the cost. It's like twice as nice as what you're paying. But the delay, you pay in three years of delay, right? So like if you want a place, well, I don't want to place three years from now. I want to place like, six months from now, but it's going to be three years by the time it's done, if we're lucky. And so you pay with your time. But if you did three at once, it's like serving a a prison term concurrently. You know, when you get like four years for arson, four years for kidnapping, four years for robbery, but served concurrently, well, you're not doing 12 years, you're doing four years. So I think if you bought like three or four or five places or got all your friends in and just bought them all at once, you know, but especially if you just bought five, they're worth twice as much when you're done because They're immediate. If you were selling, you'd be like, "Yeah, this is done." But you don't want to buy a finished place because it's expensive and it's also done not in the taste you want or with the stuff you want. You need to custom do it. But to do it custom, it's not the cost because things are cheap here. It's the time. So doing every extra one you do, you can do it concurrently.
0: So I was going to say you could buy you know an already built place. No,
1: but they're they're crappy and they're overly expensive where they are. So it's like if you if you see a place you kind of like that's already done. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, I would totally redo this. Then you're like, going to pay
0: that, that time is factored in,
1: right? That time is factored in, right? And the money that they, you know, to fix it up. So you pay twice as much, more than twice as much, and then you're going to fix it anyway because you don't like the way it's done. So, so nothing that's finished is really a good option. So, anyway, I mean, I'm complaining. Whatever, our life and is you pretty won't be good.
0: A little man enough for those eight, sixteen acres.
1: Well, okay, so the the one that's like in limbo like that one's pretty big it's like four acres right and that's like as much as you can handle I mean you gotta get like landscape you gotta like landscape it you gotta tend to it you gotta this thing is like a beast and it's really run down it's overgrown it's a total you know it hasn't been like there's no landscaping it's all weeds and scraggly brush and trees I mean it'd be a major job but it's massive and you're like man it's so much land and it's like you know eight miles from the beach Maybe, maybe less you can hear the ocean from the property maybe it's like six miles from you can hear the ocean from it, and it's this giant piece of land, but it's it's far away. Anyway, sort of a dream, you know. It's like a keep dreaming of this the ideal place. But we've been going down, and uh, we
0: that's checked. a funny image of you. And I hope you were wearing a scarf
1: too. I, w- I probably was. Scarf. I probably was wearing a scarf. I think it was raining out. It's really muddy. <laughs> I'm not even wearing boots. I'm wearing these like Tom's shoes, and my feet are soaked. My socks are soaked. Oh, I love it. Yeah, uh, okay. A total like you know. <laughs> yeah it was embarrassing but i don't think i think it's too big it's too much work it, it's not it's it's and it's a little overpriced i mean you can get a bank loan on it stuff. So it's a little overpriced but uh it was cool it was definitely like if you did it it would be amazing like you have this like massive compound uh like pretty close to the ocean in like in the middle of like you're near a couple of nice little towns but it's pretty rural it's pretty nice
0: you're literally just traveling to do that, though, and you're kind of you know what you were saying, though. I mean, yeah, that seems pretty pretty safe, I would say.
1: We, we that's all we dealt with is the broker and the dude, and we, you know, obviously everyone's got masks and stuff. I feel like civil disobedience is in the order, but not like go do a rally with no mask on outside the whatever building and get the police to arrest you. I kind of feel like that is not the smartest thing. I just think people need to go about their business, you know. Like it's not up to the state to tell you your comings and goings. Like, yeah, maybe if there was like I don't even know if this is true, and we talked about this, but if there's like some acute emergency for like a week, like a nuclear accident and I don't know, I guess if you got the nuclear fallout you could bring it outside the area or something. Maybe for two weeks they'd cord it off or they'll shut the area down or something. But in general, it's like this has been ten months and you know, you gotta trust people to do the right thing. And and some people won't, but like Okay, that's, that's it. That's the, that's the cost of living in a free society. If you live in a totalitarian society, then you can make sure that nobody ever commits a crime or does anything they're not supposed to. But that's a trade off most people don't want to live with. And people are like, oh, calm down, dude. It's not a totalitarian society just because you can't go out after six o'clock for the last five months or whatever the, the rule is without your, you know, unless you're walking your dog. It's like, well, what is it then? You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, remember it was like three weeks to flatten the curve. And that's just turned into, the government tells you when you can leave, what you can do, who you can see, how many people you can hang out with. What the hell happened? And everyone's like, no, this is it. We just got to do this in, as far as long as it takes. It's like, what, yeah, wait, what, what the hell's going on here? I, I, I totally agree with taking things seriously and, and not, again, I'm, I'm not having the 20-person orgy I would normally have. But I, I, just, I just don't want the government in my business, really. I don't want them. A friend of mine in Portugal, you know, it's really bad, that the COVID levels a yeah, friend, yeah, friend of mine was jogging and he's jogging by himself and a cop stopped him and he said uh you know are you in your neighborhood and i don't know if he showed him his id with his address on or whatever and he said you got to go back you got to jog back to your neighbor na- you're, you're too far out of your neighborhood you know he runs like you know 10k when he goes running he's a runner it's like well you're out of your neighbor you gotta show me your papers what what is this like East Germany or something like that. Like I gotta, I gotta produce my papers. I'm too far out of my neighborhood because the government says this is no yeah. good right now. Yeah. This fucked up, you know. And, and to me, like that's not justifiable. And and again, like this is a thing. People are getting sick. It is a virus. It's very contagious. But are there stacked corpses in the street? If there were, I don't think that dude would be jogging. You know, he'd be like, dude, there's corpses all over the street. I'm, I'm staying home for a while. I'm going to the country and staying there. Right. I, I just, I just feel like. Okay, this is a virus. Let's you know concede concede everything as true. That that doesn't mean I have to stay in my home and can't go for a jog. You know, I'm not a jogger really. Well, I was running trying to get that five minute mile a year ago, but oh yeah, whatever happened with that. Well, I just need to jog on a track because my ankle is, is screwed up and the track closed. I can't do it on concrete or whatever. So.
0: Yeah, the ban- banning outside dining, I, th- I mean, I thought it was extreme. Yeah, know, they, did
1: it, they did it here too. They banned outside dining. And people invested in, in outside dining facilities. Here, here's what I would do. if I were. I told Ed this. I said, if I were running Portugal, this, I'll tell you what would actually happen. But this is what I would do. I'd say, first of all, seed oils in restaurants are illegal. They're illegal. I'm not going to make them illegal for personal consumption. If you want to kill yourself, you can. I believe in the freedom of choice for people individual choices, but restaurants, you can restrict stuff, right? Well, you can put into stuff. I mean, you can't put like, you know, psilocybin in an omelet at a restaurant, right? I mean, that's not legal. So I would say no seed oils in restaurants and you got to use olive oil or, or butter or, you know, a list of things. And I'll subsidize all these products. I'll make butter cheaper and olive oil cheaper. So it's the same price as seed oils. Okay. So I'll subsidize that. Uh, another thing yeah. is vitamin D
0: They ban faux, faux gras so they can ban stuff Yeah, for sure
1: well, And this stuff's poison I mean, it's not like, you know But again, yes. I, I wouldn't ban it for people If you want to buy I, I, If you want to, like, buy canola oil And eat it at your house, you can do that But not in restaurants Because nobody knows, you know, nobody oh, asks I like it it's banned in restaurants If you want to have a restaurant You can't use uh, canola oil or, or grapeseed oil Or any of that fake uh, seed oil Okay, number one Number two Vitamin D is subsidized. It's, you know, 10 cents for a bottle. It's in every pharmacy, every supermarket, everywhere. Take a lot of vitamin D. Everybody's encouraged to take a ton of it. So that's easily available and cheap, really cheap, subsidized. Three things like ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, some of these drugs that have shown some uh, clinical uh, success against COVID. I would make those things over the counter and super cheap, subsidize that stuff so you can treat yourself. Hopefully, and, and a lot of people I think would get better before they even got to the point where they needed hospitalization. So the other thing I would do is I would, you know, in Portugal, like there's a lot of permits necessary and red tape to get outdoor dining. You're a restaurant, there's like a street in front of you, you can't just put tables on the street without permission. I would make, I would make that wide open. I'd have tables on the street everywhere. I'd encourage outdoor farmers markets, outdoor everything, right? Like grocery stores could set up on some stalls outside, around the, on the sidewalk or outside. Let that be a free for all out there. A few things I would do. And then, you know, I, I think... I'm on board. You basically get it so that the the fatality rate and the uh, the seriousness of it, and even you, you get rid of the contagion a little bit by having everything be outside, goes down a significant amount to a manageable level. Maybe it ends up being like more like a bad flu if you have people more robust against it and having quick treatments. But then I was talking to Heather. I was like, but you know what happened? Let's say I'm, you know, Portugal's a little country. Nobody cares about Portugal. If, I, if I'm the uh, prime minister and I, and I ban seed oils... Well, the seed oil companies in the u s the giant ones are going to get wind of that, obviously, and they are going to immediately demonize me as some kind of crank who 's this crazy guy with these crazy ideas uh, banning this random stuff this guy 's a crank and you know and they would have a campaign to make me look like an idiot and I, and then all the people in, and back, bankroll people in the parliament to shut me down and resist me and the media... A lot of money. And, a lot of money. Yes. Spend. And the media, you know, would be like, who's this... What the hell is this crazy thing? You like your food like this? Why is he telling you? You know, and they would basically turn me into a crazy person unless I back down and, and, you know, so like... It, it would be hard to do because it, you can 't even if you were uh, the head of a country they wouldn 't let you do that shit but I, I do think like a lot of the reason this is lingering and and let 's just get rid of the conspiracy aspect, but just just keep it from a, a point like they 're like, okay, we need a vaccine, so they spend billions on research and these vaccine companies and make contracts with all of them, and if someone 's like, "Hey, you know the vaccines are great, but uh, actually this ivermectin really treats it so it's actually not that serious for most people if they get this early why don't we distribute that everywhere and then the vaccine makers are like look man once you go in one direction there's all this sort of there's a lot of interest tied to it and a lot of just like being right tied to this and achieving the goal that was authorized and it's very hard to pivot when when it's when you're dealing with politics and large organizations and
0: uh Thank you for linking to that uh, Chan thread, by the way, about vaccines. Uh, it made my mom feel more comfortable. She's actually scheduled to get one as we, as we record this.
1: Yeah, I, I really, okay, really like that. And check out that link I have on Twitter. I, I really liked it because she's basically like, they're safe for now, it seems. You know, like There's been some negative side effects for a few people. But in general, we don't know what the long term it could be very bad for people. But right now, so far, they've been pretty safe. She explains how they work biochemically physiologically and so she explains that she exp- and then she's like everybody who doesn't want to get one totally understand there's no judgment it's it's, it's everybody's choice which is i totally agree and then the other thing was uh, she talked about how some people are getting them earlier maybe than the old people or you know, don't get into a huge fight about that great they got it good for them let's just keep focusing on distributing more and informing people and to me, that's the most effective message. Like To the extent that I would consider getting it, I would just want to know exactly what it entails and, and have the, the vibe of, yeah, but if you don't want to get one, that's cool. No problem. It's up to you. I would be way more inclined to take it than if they're like, you fucking have to take this shit. If you don't take this, you're not going out of your house. You're, you, you're, we're never letting you do anything, and you're a terrible person. They're, they're proven safe. Science proves it's safe. Rather than, so far, they've seemed safe. You know, we, we need a couple of years to know the full side effects and everything else. But COVID has a lot of side effects, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, that's your choice, right? Like, we don't know what the side effects of the vaccine are. But then again, we know there's bad side effects in many cases from COVID. So that, to me, was a very persuasive way to lay it out. Just lay out the facts. Don't, don't make it a religion. Don't lie to people about it.
0: And she's from the very beginning been against the status quo and questioned, you know, wh- brought up all the, the lab possibilities. And she brought and she even also is truthful here, saying, you know, I don't think this would be my ideal first choice, you know, the mRNA version, but it is the best we have, and it is uh, proven to be ten thousand people so far safe. And and versus the alternative, you know, she lays out the alternatives. Right. So I, I thought exactly. I thought it was very well out there like I said my mom was literally the day of she was still nervous and, and that helped her feel more comfortable so
1: right anyway. that, that, but that's how it should be you know because um, this guy Thomas Massey is a congressman from Kentucky and he's pointed out that on the CDC website it just flat lies they did a study and it showed that people who already had COVID do not benefit from the vaccine they do not get any extra immunity from the vaccine and yet on the CDC website it says that even those who have COVID benefit from the vaccine and he's called it out And they haven't disputed that. They just basically Mm -hmm. lied. And the benign interpretation is just, well, they're lying because they don't want people who think they might have had it not to get it, and they don't want people to not get the vaccine. They want people to all think they have to get the vaccine, so they're just trying to get you know everyone vaccinated and have a herd immunity. But when you lie, then everything you say is in question. What other purpose is it for? That was the point of the conspiracy piece that I wrote that was like... Well, if it's for the greater good, then what if the greater good is just getting rid of climate change? What if we launch a pandemic to get rid of cl- everything that they do, if the if the means is is justified by the end, then then, you know, who knows what the truth is. So you never should lie. Because in the short term, you might be like, well, if we lie, more people do what we want. But in the long term, you lose trust. And then you'll never, even when you're absolutely legit and have a good reason to ask people to do something, they're never going to believe you. So the CDC lying about that is really bad. The Alina Chan laying it out, like just the honest facts about it is really good. And if if all of our public health officials uh, did that, I'd have a whole lot more faith in the treatments and everything else that they recommended. But when they're playing politics with treatments for COVID and they're lying, saying that even if you had COVID, you should still get the vaccine, that's that makes me, you know, not trust and it makes me just, you know, worried and skeptical about anything they might recommend.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's, there's been positive, uh, positive news, uh, you know, recently, but that one really, I thought it was how it was laid out, made it more by far the most believable of, of, of yeah. What was presented. Yeah.
1: Um, she, she, I was like, all right. Yeah. That, that's a, a really good case for it.
0: So my wife actually just, uh, got tested for the first time. She got had a cold and, um, my daughter's first communions this weekend. So felt better safe than sorry being around people. And uh, she was, it was negative, but it was one of the long ones, like the the ones that goes to your brain. And man, I heard someone else talking about some other guy who survived a, a brain tumor saying it was one of the more uncomfortable things. And my wife, Hell, I think I was more squeamish during the two bursts than she was. She's tough, and she came back saying, "Oh no, that that was not good at all." And she's been messing with her nose since. So, if you, anyone's out there getting tested, try to avoid the the one that does reach your brain because apparently it's one of the more uncomfortable
1: deals. It's it's
0: it, it, the other the other methods are preferred. But anyway, luckily yeah, dude, she was negative, and, and yeah.
1: When I had ankle surgery two thousand nine, uh, you know, I, they the the anesthesia of the game was through a tube down my throat. Apparently, because. Uh, the doctor gave me something and I was out and three hours later I had a giant cast on my foot. But my throat was sore for like a couple of weeks. Like, the, you know, they like just jam that thing down there and like, you know, what the fuck? I, I think so much of this stuff is sloppy and rough. Like they do a bunch of surgeries a day. It's just a hurry job. Like I, I, the, I want the, the, as little to do with the medical system as possible.
0: All right, I got a couple of things. Um first of all, I didn't realize that uh that Melvin Capital, that the company that basically took the biggest hit in the whole uh, GameStop thing, did you know that they aggressively tried to short Tesla when it was a struggling company? So like all that Elon tw- Elon tweeting wasn't just out of nowhere. Did did not know that. And uh the GameStop is GameStop stock is now way down as we record this. So do you have any thoughts since we last spoke a week ago?
1: Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's a great story, but it looks like the suits won. And, and I mean, what, Rob, I don't think, when we recorded
0: it, Robinhood hadn't, hadn't taken away the buy button yet, right? right. So I mean, okay, so, kind of a an issue too, obviously.
1: Right, because if the buy button were there, everybody would have busted it up to 1000 and just broken the shorts, right? But because it was off, it went down a little bit. I don't know, you know, who lost how much money, but uh, I saw a guy on a podcast, I forget his name, just a little clip, but he basically said that that 24 hours where they shut down the buy button and Robin Hood had to like get more capital or do whatever they had to do. I don't know the exact details of it, the mechanics, Uh, that that 24 hours, they can never get back. So who knows what would have happened if it was really free market there. And so the next couple of days, they all get recapitalized and they organize and they figure out how to handle this and they're pros and they have deep backers. You know, it's like you could you should sue for a lot of money for that stoppage that killed you, that killed your whole trade.
0: Yeah, Portnoy's out there saying it cost him 700k, and he's doing his best to get you know to to let it be known that that, you know. But he some noise, but I mean,
1: I I, you know, I think that guy's very entertaining, and you know, for him, it's a bit of a game. But like, I I just feel like that. I just think he has some reach, at least, is what I yeah he does. But yeah, we'll see. I hope I hope he sticks with it. I hope he stays after it. But that you'll never know. It was kind of like, I know Ted Bell gets into this all the time, but he, you know, he always thinks that Belichick was a genius because he didn't call timeout when the Seahawks had the ball. And because he didn't call timeout, maybe they didn't have time to stop the clock and hand off to Marshawn Lynch. So they just did a rush pass play and it resulted in an interception that cost them the Super Bowl. And that timeout, it was like Robin Hood gave Melvin Capital and all the other shorts a huge timeout. And they were selling, and the price went down because you could sell. I don't know why you made it. They should have just been frozen where you couldn't sell or buy. It's ridiculous that you could sell but not buy. Them. But even, if, even freezing it at all was a timeout that allowed everybody to kind of re- regroup, and that should never have happened because in real time, you know, mistakes are made in trades. You know, this is the game. Anyway, it's, it's kind of a depressing story because, uh, because they pulled the plug right when uh, it was getting good.
0: Yeah. And then the like Washington Post is even doing opinion pieces saying that they were the, the, the bad guys in this were the, this is what they literally have an opinion piece saying that the, those were not the bad guys, but man, the Robin hood CEO, do you see me? This looks like a little kid, like yeah. over his head interviewed on CNN. I mean, it's all kind of craziness and isn't speaking of the shorts or whatever. And then it's the, even cash app is now dealing with it. Right. So I, I don't know. Is this exposing with silver and like, do you have any general thoughts on all of the chaos?
1: I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know what the truth is. I mean, for me, you know, everything's fraudulent and fake in this <laughs> system, in this economy. So, I, you know, to me, like, this is not, it was a big story, not really because of the money, but because it, it's a whole generation of people who now, you know, a lot of millennials are, like, buying, trading stocks because they're like, all right, well, I can buy fractional stocks on on a Cash App, and I can get, you know, get in the game like everybody else is making money on assets. They're printing money. The Cantillion effect, where those closest to the money buy the assets, inflate the price of assets. By the time you get your your check at the end of the week or your slight raise in the minimum wage or the slight raise in the wage that you're getting, the money's already been depreciated and debased. And all the rich people have already converted to assets that, that go up in value. So it, they were like, oh, okay, we'll get in on this. We can buy stocks. We can trade on Robinhood and, and Cash App. But now they realize, oh, we really can't do this. So it, I think it's extremely bullish for Bitcoin. Since we last talked, it's been up like seven grand and, and counting. There's just so... The Michael Saylor conference happened today. Oh, he got in all these huge corporations. I did hear something interesting, though. Um, so, you know, obviously, Michael Saylor, MicroStrategy, they put half a billion dollars on, on in Bitcoin on, on this corporate balance sheet, and then they did it with his own money, too. And Square put some money on, and all these companies are starting to like put little bits on, and different investors... But he had a major conference today with all these large corporations making the case to have Bitcoin on your balance sheet instead of cash and you and I have made the case here for that but having big corporate CEOs start putting one or five or ten percent of their balance sheet into Bitcoin would be huge but I heard this podcast today and they made a case like oh maybe Apple will put you know five percent of it you know which is a ridiculous amount of money or you know Tesla or, or Google but the thing is like Amazon, for example, and some of these other companies have contracts with the U.S. government. And this guy was saying, the government is going to say stuff like, yeah, you know, we'd hate to have to look into, you know, antitrust violations. So, you know, I just hope you're doing everything, you know, just sort of (laughs) make it, let them know in in so many words that we don't want you, if you're taking government money and the government's your client, we don't want you buying a competing currency or not even a currency, but a competing store of value that could undermine the So that is the thing to keep in mind. I don't know if it'll be too late for the government or they're asleep at the switch, but that's, that seemed plausible to me, that, that those big companies that you think, oh, once they buy in, it's over, where they may be deterred from buying in. Yeah, because I keep waiting
0: for it and it hasn't happened yet. And you'd think one of them would be forward thinking by now. Um, so interesting. Maybe that is the reluctance. So a lot of other people at this meeting today. Yes. I can only picture the what's
1: going on there. But um, totally. Yeah. And Michael Sailor is such a <laughs> such a persuasive guy. But but the, if you're a publicly traded company that's worth you know six hundred billion dollars or four hundred billion dollars or a trillion dollars, you have all these shareholders and a board. You can't just be like, all right, we have forty billion dollars in cash and we're just going to put half of that into Bitcoin or even 10 percent of that into Bitcoin, without getting a lot of people to sign off on it. And that takes time. It's not like, sure, sure. you know a person or a, a small family office just decided to make an investment. It takes a lot of legal and persuasion work, and it, it, it takes months, you know six months but that's why sailors having this conference is to give his playbook to everybody yep. else, because he had to do all the due diligence, find out how to buy it, how to store it, how to custody it, how to get the legal stuff. Cause he's a public company too. So it might, it might be the
0: explanation. No, that's a great point. That's, that's
1: that we haven't seen it yet because they want to do it, but a, they don't want to announce it because if Apple announces that they're buying it, they're going to be buying it for a hell of a lot more money. <laughs> they're going to do it first, then announce because you know, they don't want to buy it for a hundred thousand. They want to buy it for 40,000. So they, they can't be like oh we're gonna put four billion in the it would run away from them so it may be in the works but it may just be taking six months of sort of due diligence to get it up you know ready to go
0: totally no that 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 all makes a ton of sense because yes certainly not yeah first of all you'd have to explain to this year yeah for sure um all right. Before we get to beat Chris Liss, uh next, I, I have one thing. I was talking to a buddy who was listening to a podcast a couple weeks back. I'm sure you've given your opinion on this somewhat before, but I was curious too. So, um, what, is, what I just want your, your opinion, List. What, what's like the motivation behind these big companies um, censoring? If it hurts their profit, like like I think I brought up to you before, like the, you know, obviously losing Trump is not really great for their bottom line, and then kind of actively antagonizing half the country to leave. What do you think their motivation is if you know we think they're sinister is about profits, right? So so kind of explain the 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 disconnect there.
1: Yeah, so i I would say social media counts in this and also traditional media, right? Why does the media want to Promote team good when some other things might make them more money, like Trump being reelected would obviously be much more lucrative for the network. Oh, CNN's
0: CNN's ratings are legitimately right. down. So
1: why would CNN be like putting a thumb on the scale for Biden and not reporting the Hunter Biden stuff that was a real thing? Why would the networks do that if it's much more profitable for Trump were president? My answer is that the social networks and the networks uh, are owned a network of powerful people who have way... They're playing a much bigger game than whatever profits CNN makes or whatever profits Twitter makes. The influence is so big. For instance, they're, you know, they're, they're pushing for a domestic war on terror, which wouldn't happen probably, probably if Trump were president. They've got like DC cordoned off like it's the green zone in Baghdad. And now there's a lot of people, there's a guy on NPR advocating, former CIA guy, advocating for using drones and other things they use overseas on Americans they are suspected of wrongdoing, subversive activities, whatever. And so they, this is you know, more control over the populace, more control over dissent. And also, if they want to launch a war in Syria or a war in Iran, and you've got military contractors
0: and it, it must be something bigger because i mean just on the service you would think jack losing half the users would, would hurt
1: him. well i think he owns a small amount of twitter i don't think he was you know most of his money's in square actually i think
0: but in amazon you know amazon i mean just getting rid of parlor i mean that's just flat out your bottom i mean there would have to be something different because on the surface that just looks like a a, a, a net loss you know
1: yeah I don't know if people are really you, moving off of Amazon web services, though, but they might stop shopping at Amazon. But I kind of feel like, A, these are monopolies, so people, you know, it's like there's not, it's hard to get a book, like especially in Portugal, it's hard to get an English book if you're not ordering from Amazon Spain or Amazon UK. You know, it's hard to get a book that I want to read. You see the revolving door between... Uh, government and industry you have got you know janet yellen gets these speaking fees and now she's the <laughs> treasury secretary and she was you know the the fed chair and 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 citadel just, right literally citadel, yeah, yeah right. citadel gave her 800 grand and you know and then she's in charge of of figuring out what to do about this this the gm the game stock situation and i, I just there's kind of no feel
0: conflicting like conflicting interests there no, they're just
1: yeah right that. there's things like that they're just accepted and and i think it's just throughout all of these industries and government there's just sort of uh it's like, a, you know, George Carlin, it's like a club, and you're not in it. And that club has interests, and that interest is not necessarily like, I mean, they want the networks to make money, but they more want to control the information flow. So I, it's almost like it'd be worth it for CNN to make less money and alienate some people as long as they, they can control what you're seeing. And by censoring certain voices, then CNN's message CNN is more valuable to the oligarchs for the narrative that it's purveying than the money that it brings in through advertising, the revenues. I, that's, that's the shortest explanation. I'll probably delete a lot of this to cut it down. Basically, the revenue is less important than the narrative. That's, that's the answer. All right. And, and, so, and, and social media, Twitter, social media is dangerous to the ruling class because they, it, they lose the control of the narrative. With CNN, MSNBC, Fox, they can control the narrative completely. They're controlling what you think, what you believe, and therefore what you're going to do, and that is extremely valuable. The revenues they get, eh, that's something, but the narrative is more important, and social media is a huge threat to that. So the social media companies are purging the people that threaten control of the narrative on behalf of... Of the, of the ruling class that really wants the narrative controlled more than the revenues, and the loss of Twitter, you know, any decline in Twitter stock is a a minor a minor issue. Fair, okay, that that's that's more convincing. Do you think Twitter or whomever,
0: Facebook, whatever, should be able to censor anyone, anything at all? I ask you that because I don't have a strong opinion. I, I don't know. Like, and if so, how is it even determined? You know, I mean, it's it's. What is your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, I I don't know. I I'm kind of like. Free speech absolutist. I, I think libel okay. still matters. If somebody's if somebody's there saying Chris List stole money, doesn't pay his debt, you know, libel there's still libel laws, right? There's libel laws exist. So I'm sort of a free speech absolutist, but Interesting. Okay. I, I I I would draw the line that you know I I think that Supreme Court case law is pretty good. It's like imminent Incitement. And that's not this bullshit like, oh, Trump made a speech and then some people, you know, he made a speech to say, go, you know, rally at the Capitol and that incited people to attack the Capitol. Unless he was saying, attack the Capitol, that's not incitement. To say, go show your support, that's not incitement. They don't code word, oh, well, you see what he's really saying. No, that's not, they've they've been very clear about that Supreme Court. That is not, incitement is like, go kill that guy and you point at a guy. That is incitement. Saying, that guy, these people are ripping you off and they're a bunch of assholes. And then people go and kill that guy. That's not inciting you. You're not inciting. You're just, so that that's different, right? So that's not incitement. Fire in a crowded theater. Obviously, that's an obvious example. Um, and there's, tr- people get trampled. Or libel. There's, there's case law about all of this stuff. But stuff like hate speech and, you know, mean things. And, you know, I, I, I think, like, that stuff's bad. I, I agree that stuff's bad. But, like, I just don't think, I think the remedy for that is, like, why would you follow some douchebag saying horrible things?
0: Yeah. Free speech absolutist.
1: I, I'm pretty close. I mean, I, I, it's not that I think that it's good that that's happening. I just think that the, the, there's a much greater evil in trying to tell people what's good and what's not good about speech. I think that's the danger. Giving the government the power to do that is way more dangerous than putting up with some bad speech. Again, there's narrow exceptions, which I agree with. Like the, Imminent incitement is a narrow exception. Libel is a narrow exception. But just fucking speech that you don't agree with or you think is... Because it's like, oh, but this speech is dangerous. Hateful speech is dangerous. But if I say the fucking fed is stealing from you and ripping you off people who you know are, are invested in the fed and want the fed to survive could say what he's saying is dangerous that's going to make people lose trust in the american dollar and be, and eventually destroy the empire because he's saying this stuff so anything could be dangerous if you want to if you disagree with it so i just think like the the greater danger is letting these fucking assholes tell you what what speech is dangerous and what speech isn't. <laughs> yeah. What deciding exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: Well, that explanation works for me. Um, you have anything else in your mind before we get to the, the sports portion of this podcast?
1: Yeah, I got two things. One is I was hiking this morning with Heather and, uh, we saw this field of cows and they were kind of staring at us and then they kind of went on their way and there was a, it was raining. So there's a lot of grass, abundant grass around and there's eating the grass. I was thinking, you know how easy it is to be a cow? like, The only thing you really want is grass. That's the only thing you really want. And it's everywhere. Like, your only job is to eat this grass. And it's everywhere. It's free. Nobody's... I'm taking it from you. It's the easiest thing in the world. But, like, you really have no fucking purpose except to eat that shit. That's all you do. There's nothing to it. But i just thinking, like, man, that is easy. And And I was thinking, like, you know, they really do want people to just have their Netflix and their processed food and just be like a cow where it's just all the stuff that's plentiful. They can make as many bags of Doritos, basically print infinite bags of Doritos and infinite Netflix streams. And you just sit on that couch eating the Doritos and watching, you know, different shows. And it's like, you got everything you need. You don't need anything else. That's it.
0: Dude. Yeah, for sure, and at least that, that cow was roaming. Uh, my wife is sick of me talking cows and has just got to be uh, laughing at the fact that you're bringing it up. My buddy's telling me about how he has some carrot-fed finished cows. That's next level. You go grass, nice. and you finish it with carrot. I'm going to do some pictures right after this, and he shows a picture of the meat. It looks next level. So I'm going nice. to
1: carrot They probably fattens cows. them up. The carrots probably fatten yeah. them up because yeah. all that sugar yeah. gets some marbled fat in the cow.
0: It, yeah. It just, yeah, supposedly it's next level. Okay, so, so that was
1: one thing. thing. Yeah. Okay, we are. You know, people talked about cows before, but you know, it's just, and then uh, just every once in a while you're talking to somebody and they say something that's just the truth. It, it's just, it just, you know, it's true. And it just, the way they say it, there's just an authority behind it. And I was thinking about this stupid uh, property that we cannot close because these guys just won't do anything. And I'm thinking about like this one commission, as we know, we just not fucking pay our winnings out. I told him, I said, Hey, what's up with the winning? Oh yeah. Sorry. I'll get to that. Two weeks later I got friends that I invested in this business with and doing, didn't do very well but whatever um, they, they definitely tried their best and worked hard. but I need this K1 form for the business for tax returns and they was like, oh yeah sorry I got my account and whatever you know it's like but like they sent it to me in like April or whatever and I like to follow my taxes early. So it's like, but I can't do it. And my accountant's always like, no, you need this form, you know, yeah, otherwise you can't. And I was like, but I can't make them give me the form. And I just, it drives me crazy, all this shit, that like all these things that, you know. But one time we were, a friend of mine, we were in Marin County, and we were sitting on this, like, at this restaurant. It was, like 1996, outdoor deck. May or may not have uh, been in an altered state of consciousness. And we're eating some lunch. And these like seagulls are flying around on the deck, and they keep trying to like pick up, you know, peck at food that's like people have, next to people's tables. And every time one gets near me, I, I like swipe at it, and it like you know runs, it jumps, flies away. And I keep swiping at this thing, and I can't like enjoy my meal because every time the thing's within like eight feet of me, I start swiping to get rid of this thing. And he says to me, he says, "You know what your problem is, man? He says you're always trying to get rid of stuff that's just going to go away on its own." And I don't know why, but it was just obviously true what he was saying. So all these things will probably resolve on their own. The, the tax thing will be sent. They'll get me this K-1. It may not be exactly what I want it. The friggin' people will get the fucking form signed eventually, no matter how much I bitch about it. Eventually one day it's going to get done. It'll get done. And this fucking commission will pay the money he owes us. I already said something about it. I-
0: I'd almost rather have not won baseball to hear from you complaining about this money at this point. So I'm almost regretting that I had won that won us money. But yes, I hear you. It is. It is
1: overdue.
0: <clears throat> All right. Let's beat Chris Liss.
1: Uh- so this is a uh, is a 12 team league and I've picked seventh, which I think was like my fourth choice. I kind of like seven just given who I thought I might get. And then you picked you picked 11th and uh, that was like one of your first choices. It was different doing going from a draft whatever the
0: what's the other one the online one. It's fifteen, what? the draft champions. The draft champions is called. Sorry, this is online championship. Okay, so anyway, it was different going from the fifteen teamer to the twelve for sure. Um, I yeah, I didn't feel strongly about other than I wanted to go pitching early, so I didn't really want. I think I did lead by top three still. I like those guys, the Tatis, Acuna, and Degrom, but then I definitely didn't want the middle ground. Um, i'm not even i'm not really set on that but i went with three straight pitchers as i as i promised and i didn't go with the fourth but i would have uh, I, I probably played the adp game wrong with glass and woodruff but um i did start with three straight starters unlike anyone else uh, if you had gotten woodruff in the third you would have gone glass in the fourth Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I was considering going Woodruff first because Glassnow's ADP is lower, far lower, but I wanted Glassnow more, and I'm like, ah, I'm just going to go with my guy, and I, I could have risked it and definitely got Glassnow coming back in the fourth for sure. Yeah, so you
1: got it, and then you went Real Muto in the fourth, sort of.
0: I know, a guy who doesn't even get speed either. I really I thought I'd either get a starter or a guy who gets with steals, but man, I don't know. Real Muto's so good. And two I just went all in with Perez, too. Salvador Perez in round nine. I went big on catchers uh, I doubt any teams waited longer than me to address uh, outfield at, at round seventeen, but uh, definitely an interesting
1: team I went with. What? How did you? How did you like your squad? I liked it. I was pretty happy with it. Uh, I wanted Degrom at seven. That was who I was hoping to get. And I was kind of like not wanting to say that in the XM show because I didn't want the guys picking ahead of me. But then Masada went and took Degrom anyway. <laughs> at three, but that was fine. I got Cole. I would rather have Degrom. I prefer the Mets stadium, but I'm not complaining about Cole. And then I was going to get a pitcher maybe in round 2 but I really like Kershaw and I thought he might be there in round 3 and he was. So I took Lindor although the Mets the Mets are such a cursed franchise. Like first they have the GM with the uh, dick pics, and then they have Steve Cohen who's like citadel Robin yeah. Hood like so you've got like the GM and the owner like both you know implicated in the shit and it just seems like that's just a cursed franchise. So I'm a little nervous about Lindor but I think it's a pretty good value and
0: I think Cardi has Degrom as his number one, uh, overall player, uh, Lindor. Yeah, it's fine. But the Mets do have the best pitchers part, um, by far oh, main things I wanted to give. Uh, yeah. So you got our guy, Yordán in round six. Um, I probably should have pulled the
1: trigger there. Are you happy with that? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to clog up your utility so early. Like it does make a difference. You can see like Stanton going around 11. I can't take Stan. Like he's a utility. I just can't take him. I can't take Nelson Cruz if he falls. Not that I really wanted to, but, you just really clogs up your, your options, but yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to win the whole thing, right? Like this is, I'd like you know, it's nice to win 1500 bucks, but I'd rather win 125 K and I'm just drafting to win the whole thing really. So yeah, I think you're done. The thing is like when you're like in the first round, like you want like power and speed if you got a hitter, but like there's another category there that people don't really think about, but it's batting average, right? So if people get like Jose Ramirez pick 12 or whatever, it's like power and speed but Alvarez can give you power and 320 and power and average is just as good as power and speed, and yet it's coming in the sixth round. So yeah, I like the pick.
0: Oh, I love him. Maybe I mean if his knees cooperate, a real life top three four hitter is is there. Um, I uh, I'll probably be wrong, but I was glad he took Torres over Tim Anderson, who I got because I, I needed the bags, frankly. Um, but Torres could go back and hit hit a million homers. Um, Paul Goldschmidt in the seventh round was kind of a nutless monkey pick, um, but foreign veterans get it done. One I will give you a hard time, uh, flat out, is Brad Hand over Karinchak. Man, that Karinchak just looks like okay. the next big thing. Man, he just looks like that is a bad pick. I will just say, almost guaranteeing that it'll be right. But I, that that was the one I, I marked to uh, to give you shit on.
1: So I'll give you both these things. So I took Bregman around four over Devers. And Vlad, who I took in the other Springer and Bogarts; those are the four guys. And Bogarts, I missed by one pick, so I was like, "Ah, oh, man, I hate that." Like, I didn't think I was going to get him. It was it would have been late for him, but I, you know, when you're one pick away, you start to hope. Uh, and Rendon, he was two picks away, and I didn't get either of those guys, so I was a little stuck. And I almost took Hater there, but I was like, "I don't want to take a closer that expensive." So I took Torres. Who my, my theme for this draft was 2020 is a really small sample under weird conditions. And because there's data, people just use it more than they should. Even though they know better, they just can't help it. It's just there, those numbers. And I'm almost ignoring 2020. So, like, Torres was, like, a third, fourth-round guy then. So I took him. Bregman was, like, a first, second-round guy. So I'm just going with, basically, the 2020 draft sheet um, as much as I can. And I think, you know, there's there's going to be profit in that. I agree. Goals Straight well, with I
0: love Altuve in the ninth, man. Do you want to go that route? That well, that one, I was really hoping you'd lasted three more picks.
1: I was I was all you're going to take. Him. So I was going to take Buxton, but then I was like, oh, I got to take Altuve. But but I'll t- but I'll defend the Goldschmidt pick. It, it was an Atlas monkey pick. But round seven is like the no man's land where you're like guys are kind of expensive still, but there's no one you really want that much more than anyone else. So I was kind of like first base is a little thin and. Yeah, and Goldschmidt, he's been a rock. Like, he never misses games. I don't know. It might have been a nutless monkey pick. I'm trying to think. I almost took Moncada, but I I had Moncada in the other league, and I had a third baseman in Bregman. And I'm serious, like, this occurred to me, but Moncada had an addiction to Twinkies when he came into the league, and he struggled with COVID. And I feel like that guy may just eat too much sugar, like a natural, gifted player. But bad diet. Maybe he's cleaned it up. I don't know. But it just – I know that sounds crazy. But from what I know about diet and health, I just was like – I don't want to go all in on him. So I took Goldschmidt. It was a bit of a nutless monkey pick.
0: Yeah, I saw Mike the Mouth uh, mock your analysis for that. And I was like, yeah, what an athlete puts in his body. What terrible yeah, analysis. Exactly. So that, what, what a meaningless piece <laughs> well, of information that is. What the athlete is putting in his body. I mean just
1: that guy. Wow. He's, he's, he's funny. Well, Mike the Mouth, yeah, I mean he's more of just comedic effect and i said him he, he we have a bet on this league and you and i should do the same but he basically you know was talking all the shit about how terrible my draft was and how terrible even worse your draft was and I did the. There's a Mark Twain quote that says, "It's not what you don't know that really kills you; it's what you know for certain that just ain't so." So, <laughs> Mike. Mike the Mouth is the guy who knows for certain, and it just ain't so. So I, I don't worry about him.
0: Yeah, it's possible I was in a league years ago with him, and I don't remember. But the last two years, I've been in two leagues with him, and I've finished ahead of him both times. Yeah, so no, I, I that's not even non So
1: that's not even something to boast about because it's such a low bar
0: i like my seventh and eighth rounders though so javi baez what because he can't look at tape tape in the back i mean come on that guy javi baez was a, yeah. and, and swore healthy now in the reds so, i mean I, I liked those guys actually
1: yeah those are all right baez doesn't run that much though like part of his appeal is that he he's a power speed guy but if he only steals like six or seven bags it's kind of like well what's he really bringing to the table right he's not bringing as much and then Suarez is like, I got Soler a couple of rounds later for the same reason. Like dude, yeah. hit had like almost 50 home runs. So maybe he can do it again. Uh, I like Brad hand though, better than, uh, I, I thought but the, the guy, the first, the guy for the first year in the job, I just feel like he go either way. I like closers. I
0: hear uh, you. Yeah. I know what you're saying. You overrate the uh, I, people. Overrate myself included. The up and comers haven't done it or whatever. But especially with the relievers, I yeah, mean, that's, that's very hard to even do three years in a row. Uh, but I just feel like this is the next guy. Like, this will be the number one reliever next year. And it's funny that you just took such the boring older yeah, guy. I did. But
1: for closers, I believe in that. For closers, I believe yeah. in that. Like unless you're like getting someone late, who's kind of a a gamble. The the hot shot ratio dominant guy. I want the guy who's been in the ninth inning, typically, as long as he's doing fine, as long as he's not like cratering. All right. So I get Altuve. Uh, you get Suarez. You get Salvador Perez. I, I get Tommy Pham. That was my backup to Buxton, another speed guy. He got stabbed. I like a dude who got stabbed. I respect that. Um, you got Presley as your closer. That's fine. And Yates. I got Charlie Morton. Charlie Martin was like a fourth rounder last year. I like Morton a lot. No, he's good. No, really
0: good. And the NL in the AL East, he was. Yeah. And now he's NL, and it looks like it's going to be increasingly like there's no DH.
1: By the way, yeah, which is good. You got Gossman, your guy. You won money off me with Cueto and him. He looks decent. I got Solaire, David Price. Like Masada was mocking me for that. And was like, he said he's going to play David Price on the Dodgers, dude. Oh yeah, he's going to win like 17 games and have like a 3.20 ERA. I mean, what's not to like about David Price?
0: Oh, he's a perfect, a uh, long shot Cy Young winner. Just like yeah. stays healthy. And, and like, he had had some crazy, I remember before sitting out last year, I was all in on him because he had some crazy surgery on his fingers. Like he had been numb and the velocity was back. Like come, yeah, he should be fresh on the Dodgers, the winds. Yeah. Uh, uh, it would be nice to make sure. You know,
1: of course he has to play, but yeah, he said he was. So, yeah, so you get you get 2019 star Josh Bell. Reese Hoskins. You're going Washington back to the great hitters park too. Washington. Is. Yeah. Pittsburgh's <laughs> terrible too. as a hitters park. And then you got Reese Hoskins. You're going back to like 2017. Now you're, you're desperate to get uh, somebody who's got some pop. I get Trey Mancini, you know, I'm like going back before he ever had cancer. I always bet on the guys like Carrasco, Mancini, Eduardo Rodriguez. Like I, I didn't get Carrasco, but I would have, it's like, If you've got like a life threatening illness and you beat that, (laughs) I I would rather that than a guy coming off like uh, a chronic knee issue or something that that he can't, you know, because it's one is not really related to sports. Either you, you have it or you don't really. And the other is debilitating in your sport specifically. So, yeah, I mean, it's you know, he's not like he's a superstar, but it's what it is. It's like 30 home run pop without hurting your average, which I think is harder and harder to get.
0: Yeah, you, you went with him and San, Anthony Santander a couple of rounds later. Baltimore is such a good um, hitter's park. One thing I – this area of the draft, I like my guy Tristan McKenzie, tall, skinny guy. But uh, uh, I, didn't, I needed a second baseman, and I'm okay with Segura. But I needed steals, and I had my eye totally on that Andres Jimenez, who was taking like 80 spots above his ADP, just to be clear. But anyway, that yeah. that was my – I was like, ooh, I'm saving my one spot because I'm, I'm my one position. And that dude went so much higher. Very frustrating. But Segura – and um I went with Kingery later. Did you go with Senzel? Right? I did yeah, get I Senzel. Went Kingery six rounds later. Those guys were like equal last year. So two failed guys with pop and speed and you know, question marks. I like that.
1: Yeah, Senzel should be starting. I mean he should be. He's got a starting job, so I I like him. So is Kingry. Oh he is starting. Okay. And I got I got Pomerance as my second closer, who they could sign somebody, but that dude is like he's good. He was a decent starter even. And if he is the closer that could be the number one closer on the, in the whole league.
0: Oh, he's sick, and yeah, San Diego could win so many games with that starting staff for sure. And then I like Matthew Boyd. I'm always been a Boyd guy. So yeah. and Taiwan Walker is going to go nuts. So I actually did like some of your your later picks. And Jonathan Hernandez was a good you know for possible and Pagan. Even you backed him up with Arcado yeah. last year was like a mid rounder because the guy who gets steals. You know he was like Victor Robles light uh, if that's possible anymore. Yeah, But
1: <laughs> that is light. There's no lighter. Yeah, yeah Matthew Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> it, it came out that that he was dealing with all these like minor injuries last year. And he should have probably been on the DL, but he just pitched through and got shelled. I, I was going to wait on him because ADP was lower, but I bet you would have taken him. I was like, I better just take the guy now. And then Kluber, the Yankees gave Kluber $11 million. I mean, if he's really, he maybe I took that dude last year and he killed me. The reason I had to pay you money last year is because I took Kluber instead of Bauer on one pick. I was thinking about those two guys. I took Kluber. So I don't know. I'm pretty happy with it. You happy with your team though, or you think you don't have enough uh, bats to get through enough steals or something? No, I'm super happy. I, lo- I this I think that's
0: the way to go. I no, I I think it's waiting on these outfielders. I mean, Mike made fun of my outfield. I'm like, oh, there are like three more guys I wanted that weren't drafted. Like I I I don't know, man. I like uh, Ben and Tendy in a down year uh, coming now, and JD Davis and Hanniger, Aaron. Hey, I don't know. I like. I think that's the the their outfielders are there and twelve teamers to take stabs on. I I I, I think started pitching early yeah i I was super happy with i mean i've never i mean real muto and Salvador perez are my catchers i mean i don't know yeah i I will bet bet take any bet
1: you want i'm I'm, I'm so let's do the standard bet hundred for who does better let's say same league but let's say who does better in the overall for 100 right so like it's just whoever's overall ranking is better not the league ranking and then if someone wins the league it's 500 and if someone wins the overall they got to pay the other dude a thousand
0: Wins league 500, and then uh, overall other 1,000. 1,000. Okay. Thousand. Yeah. Yeah,
1: 1,000
0: yeah. to other. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, we're going to talk about this even more in XM, huh?
1: Yeah, well, actually, we're not going to talk about this on XM. Oh, yeah, we are going to talk about this on XM. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the Super Bowl on XM because it's going to be all uh, all about this league. That's the whole point of the thing. But we can, we can talk about other people's teams, too. And is coming on also. He, was, he had pick one. So we'll see. Um, all right, well, let's, okay. it's been... Pretty long, so uh we just gotta talk Super Bowl a little bit. I took the Bucks. I'm starting to feel good about it actually. First I was sort of like that's ah, a coin flip, but I'll take the Bucks. But I don't know. You know, Mahomes I'm never gonna feel strongly going against Mahomes. I'm never gonna feel like certain about it. But I just think losing those offensive linemen and Tampa's D-line is just peaking right now. And Mahomes, he said he's over the toe, but I'm a little nervous. I think they're gonna get after him. And I think Brady, who had all day to throw against the Saints and against the Packers, is just going to have tons of time. And he's got enough good weapons. I think the Bucks are going to win this game.
0: I think it's almost too obvious. I, I get their offensive line is most certainly a concern, but Fisher was like PFS 46th ranked lineman. The other guy's been out for months. Um, it's Andy Reid coming off a bye. Obviously, the game's in Tampa Bay, but man, they, Kansas City suddenly like increased its pre-snap motion last year by like twenty-five percent. Last last game, I feel like they're just playing possum throughout the regular season. Unleash Mahomes, the best player of all time. Uh, why? Are, well, I mean, the Bucks are there because Aaron Jones fumbled inside the ten. There was a hail mary essentially at the end of the half. Uh, I, I don't know. I, there is an argument. They're the better. They're, they have the advantage on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I get it. I but, think
1: that's what uh, I wrote. they they're the better lines on both sides.
0: The only thing I'll counter is I think the Chiefs have really good sec- – they're, they're tough. of The receivers, they're tough on receivers. Although I, I guess the, the Godwin in the slot might be a problem. But the Chiefs, their secondary is not bad. And that's where the Bucks. they're really going to have to rely on a lot of, of four net underneath. And maybe they eat with, with Gronk and Bray. But I, I, I see the Chiefs here. But it's one game. Anything can happen. Obviously, three-point spread. But I would lay the points.
1: Yeah. All right. You want to do 100 on this too? Give me three. Oh, yeah, for sure. Alright, right, hundred on the Super Bowl. I don't have any other bet on the Super Bowl. I don't think I'm gonna go big like I did last year. Uh I had to get I had to send you twelve hundred dollars last year. I lost big on the Super Bowl last year.
0: And and no one was sadder to get uh twelve hundred dollars <laughs> than yeah, I know. this person who I know. That had a twenty thousand dollar ticket flushed down the toilet for the niners.
1: But thank god I'd made that bet with you. You would have had nothing.
0: No, I, I hedged a little more. Uh, oh you didn't okay. just yeah, not All that right. crazy, but still not enough all right that game was on the other night by the way just really quick that game was uh repeating and my wife kept leaving on like why are you doing this like it's been on our dvr for a whole year it's like it's just sad how 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 how, how, you know upset i still am over it i was forced myself to watch it and like
1: why why would you watch it why would you watch it i know
0: it's just like i i need to do this it's been a year you need to watch like was there i wanted to make sure i wasn't screwed by some call like i couldn't remember i was like yes there was a a a, a false start but anyway whatever It, it was it's it's a tough loss and especially considering the, such a short window in the NFL and then all the injuries the next year and now Jimmy G still, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough one, sports rooting.
1: You know, I never saw the last three minutes in Europe. The I NFL know, never I cut know. out and I just I never, know. and then I saw the result and I was like, I don't want to see the last three minutes. I never saw the Emmanuel Sanders miss, like missing Emmanuel Sanders. I didn't, I heard about it. I never saw it. And I, there's one thing about that game, though. Like they, they were killing them. it was 2010 with 10 minutes left.
0: I, I then, saw that you say that. I hope you realize that it was not only 2010 with fewer than 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes. They just had the ball. Was, they just got a pick and yeah. were celebrating. Yes. The, yes, they had yes. the ball.
1: Too. And so they had the ball. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I felt like, but I, that Nick Bosa got hurt and like missed some snaps or something for part of it. I, I maybe that's not true. But like when the Chiefs had their like last couple of drives that that cashed in. I thought Bosa was like off the field. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it was like the defense was dominating all day. And then all of a sudden Kansas a lot, City broke through.
0: I know a lot of people considered him the best player in the field that day. And his number, like his, his uh, pressure rate was through the roof. So I, and I don't remember them saying that, but that doesn't mean that Joe Buck missed it. So.
1: No, maybe I imagined it. I but know
0: I, I avoided all the media afterwards. I got I, I certainly could have been reported, but maybe that it wasn't, wasn't. Uh, at the time. And, um, and, um, but yeah, that, uh, that You know, I have read someone claimed that before. It's a weird thing to me. But I read even before that Super Bowl that someone claimed – I distinctly remember it because it's the, the 49ers pass rush will tire in the fourth quarter. And that's legitimately what happened. I would think offenses get tired, but I guess pass rushes are often the team that gets tired in the fourth quarter and that's when points are scored. And I distinctly remember someone saying that before
1: and it's literally what happened. And maybe Andy Reid does stuff to make that work with the misdirections. Right. They, he right. runs them ragged and then by the end, they're just, right. they're toast. And pass rush would get tired because they're the ones trying to get, like, they're, they're not passive. They're the ones you know, constantly trying to get and get blocked. They're always, they're taking more effort. The linemen just have to hold off for a few seconds, right? They don't, they don't, they're not having to move, at least on pass plays, they don't have to move those guys in the other direction. It takes less effort to resist than it does to push the other guy in the other direction. Anyway, just a horrible ending, but maybe that's going to happen again this week. You know, maybe the, maybe the Bucks will, will be up early and be getting to Mahomes and they'll get worn out too. Maybe Reed will do the same thing. Yeah, Brady will probably prove me wrong Dude, it's still impressive that Brady's in the
0: Super Bowl This year, I mean, dude, props to him I mean, just wild, his age, a new team And by the way, one thing I didn't mention here There should be a pretty gigantic coaching advantage For Reed here, I do not love Arians And his, you know, his, his running on first down But Brady, like I said, continuing Proves everyone
1: wrong and, and gets it done So, it yeah. should, should be fun I'll, I'll say one last thing, so Spagnolo beat Brady In the 2007 Giants-Patriots right. Super Bowl wow. But, it was Tuck, OC and, and strahan that got to him with four spagnolo loves to blitz that's how he got to josh allen last week i don't think you can blitz brady i think he's gonna watch the tape i think he's gonna see it coming and i think those receivers are gonna kill them if they blitz so i think that spagnolo's thing which is being really aggressive it worked because they had just monster rushers crushing brady in that super bowl but i don't think it'll work if he has to send guys from the secondary
0: yeah, no, for sure. And Brady's splits of like when pressured and not are like comical. Like it's crazy when he's
1: pressured, they're 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 league worst, and yeah. when not, he's the baller. Well, well, if the four man rush gets there, he's toast. But if if they have to blitz, I think he'll take care of it. Anyway, uh, before we wrap,
0: anything else? No, that's that's all. Uh, Brett Weinstein, I, know, I think you know who that is, was on Bill Maher, and the segment was really good. And it's talking about the lab. And, and of all people, now Maher is the one saying it would almost be a conspiracy if it wasn't out of the lab. <laughs> right. He actually said that. Now, it only yeah. took a whole year later. But Weinstein, I'm sure, is worried about the backlash. But it was a very informative uh, segment on, on Maher with uh, talking about the stuff that we had been talking about the past year. My wife walked in the room. I'm like, uh, like yeah, yelling, saying, dude, the real man pod is not talk about the so Anyway, so that's all I got for you. Other than, if you, I'm sure you want me to talk about the Golden Globe snubs that happened today. I'm sure you don't you want to hear that, but we'll, we'll say that for for next week.
1: All right, it's, en- it's just enough that I had to come in with my small dog and my uh, and my wife driving the car to that the real man's house. And now, you know, now I'm talking about the Golden Globes on my podcast. Too much. <laughs> uh, all right, we better. All right, man, take it easy, dude.